0: So we're going to talk about this morning uh, spiritual warfare. Maybe you've been in church a long time, and that's a term that you know well. Maybe you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, War is a topic on everyone's lips right now and on every news feed and everything that you look at. So we have somewhat of a context, and yet, whether we know it or not, there's things going on in the unseen. There's an unseen battle that goes on whether or not we know it. But let's pray together as we get started. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for each and every individual at our campus is in person and our online campus, Father, that they took the time to come. Thank you, Father, that they are seeking you, Lord, and they want to know you more. Father, I pray that you would just uh, penetrate their hearts, that the Holy Spirit would speak directly to each and every situation in this room, Father, and we just um, commit our lives to you, Father, in Jesus' name. So I thank you for your grace this morning. Preaching is not something I do on a consistent basis, and the older I get, I may or may not be. 50 now Um, things don't like work in my brain okay is anybody else over 50 okay y'all didn't tell me that like a car when the warranty goes out at 50,000 miles and everything breaks like why didn't you tell me this like y'all if and if you haven't hit 50 yet it's the craziest thing ever it's like the odometer turns from 49 to 50 and everything breaks Like it's no fun. Just stop at 49, freeze it. That's my advice. So anyway, but we are starting a series called War Room. It's based on this movie. This movie was about a woman named Elizabeth who's a successful realtor, but her marriage is completely falling apart. And in it, she meets a lady named Miss Clara who gives her the tools. That's who we saw earlier, Miss Clara. Um, The part of Elizabeth is actually played by South Dallas's own Priscilla Shire. And so you may have seen her star sighting at a Panera totally geek out when I see her at Panera and that's that thing before you really want to go say hi but you don't want to bother her right so you're like what should I do and I'm totally geeking out when I get to see her but it's an incredible movie there and the point is that many times each and every day we're dealing with situations and we don't understand that there's an unseen world and an unseen battle going on at that so let's jump right into that our key scripture today is Ephesians 6:12. And it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. If you were in church in the 80s and 90s, you maybe remember a book called This Present Darkness. Y'all, that book freaked us out because this was a Christian novel that was written about angels and demons. And so it would be about Bill and Sam. Sally walking down the road, but what you couldn't see was standing next to Bill and Sally were two big old angels. Or nearby someone else maybe was a demon or things like that. And boy, you couldn't sleep for nights after you, after you read this book because it, it made us understand that angels and demons were real. It's fun. We want to believe that angels are real, right? Everybody loves that. But but when we start to think about that there are fallen angels, that when Satan was cast out of heaven, he and a third of the angels, there are fallen angels. There are demons in this world. And there are unseen things that we battle against, not flesh and blood enemies. The Bible tells us that we are in a fight, but it's not against people. It's a spiritual fight. And the first thing that I need you to know today is there is an invisible world that is real as the visible world it's we give credit to things like wind we have smell we have things that we can't see and yet we know that they exist today this is point number one is that there is an invisible unseen world that exists as real as what you and i know each and every day even though we can't see it it's there we see it in daniel chapter 10 in the book of daniel daniel simply sends up a prayer requests he asks a prayer and his prayer is not answered has anybody ever had a prayer that wasn't answered Happens all the time, right? It seems like 21 days he prayed, and that answer didn't come. Finally, in Daniel chapter 10, an angel appears to Daniel, and he says this. Don't be afraid. Obviously, the angel was something pretty pretty monumental and pretty awesome. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. That may be all you need to hear today. Your words are heard. God hears. Amen? And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persia kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. It reminds me of this jujitsu some of the folks in our church do, right? Like they're like, I was detained. I was pinned down. But Michael came and helped me. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Many times your prayer are detained because the impact of the answer has such a far reaching effect that the enemy, the unseen world, has to battle first on what you're going to see in the seen world. Amen. When you read it in a different version, it's interesting because it actually explains that one of the angels or princes, as they call them, is specifically assigned to David, to Daniel. It's Daniel's prince, it says. Then there's other princes, it says, that are a prince over a kingdom and an area. So there are actually angels and demons assigned to different areas, different people. We see this in the Bible. We see that they battle in an unseen world. So many times the things that you think you're dealing with on the natural is because you're actually dealing with something that you can't even see. And so when you can show up at a place of work and you think, man, that person is prejudiced or that person doesn't like me, maybe there's something going on bigger. Maybe there's a bigger battle at stake that's been existing long before that person or you or anybody ever came, right? Have you ever been in a region? Have you ever gone to New Orleans, right? There is a spirit there. It's the perversion, the witchcraft, the things that you can sense. Sit in many times over an area that have to be battled in the spiritual, in the heavenly. It's not just about what happens. But when we battle in the heavenly, we see results in the natural. Amen? Amen. The second thing is, as a human, you are involved in that battle whether you like it or not. I really enjoy one of the fun things about having multiple campuses is when we prepare, we prepare together. And so Keisha and I have gotten to spend a lot of time this week talking and praying, and and, uh, we both love to travel, and we begin to talk about Switzerland. You know, in World War II, Switzerland thought they could just stay out of it. In fact, they said they have more bunkers built than anyone else because they thought we can just hide. We'll just go in our little place and hide, and this will pass us over, and it won't happen. But can I tell you what happened? They, became, they, they were conquered. And so if you think that you can go through this world not involved in spiritual battle, I have bad news. You're in the battle, whether you like it or not. We live in a fallen world. The, the, the heaven is the Lord's, the Bible says. The dominion is his. Hell, the dominion is Satan's. And right in the middle is a battleground. And that battleground is for your soul. The battle is for your joy. The battle is for your calling. It's for the calling that's on your kids' lives. It's the calling that's on your family's life to transform your neighborhood, to transform where you work, to transform your city. The calling is on you, and there's a battle for that each and every day. There's a battle for, the free, for your freedom. There's a battle for your mind. Many times we face a battle, it feels like, in our mind to be free. Depending on where we all came from, the things that maybe we saw before we knew better, we, can, we exposed ourselves to things that can then be a battle in our mind. But that battle happens when we battle in the spirit. And you may say, yeah, there's a battle. You've obviously been at our dinner table every night. <laughs> there's a battle. But it's not the kind of battle that's flesh and blood. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh because the thing is you have to walk into work and you have to deal with that person on a base on a face-to-face basis but you're not warring against the person the war is happening in the unseen world for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I keep going back this, but I feel that some people in this room have literally been put in a place of employment that has had strongholds, that has had things that were systemic in that, and God has put you there not to battle the person. Maybe you're the first female executive in an organization, right? Maybe you're the first person of color in that organization. You're not there to battle the people. You're there to battle the spirit. And the strong man that's there, amen? God has placed you there, and he's giving you divinely powerful weapons for the destruction of fortresses. If you're a teacher in a school, you're there because God has called you to tear down the fortresses that have existed in that school. That may be the school that has the lowest scores of anybody in the district. And, yeah, we're going to do our best, and we're going to get them prepped for STAR and all those things. But the reason God has sent you there is because you have been divinely equipped to empower those kids, to pray over those kids, and to see God transform their lives. Amen? We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, for we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You can experience freedom in your mind. You can experience peace in your home. You can experience poverty can be broken over your family. But it starts not just from taking a great finance class. It starts from saying, I'm going to fight a battle in an unseen world. We, um, I love the, (laughs) um, when we think about, um, in, in first Peter 5, 8, it says the devil is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour and he doesn't stop many of you would say yeah I feel it I feel it each and every day I feel like I'm always under an attack and in a battle but I just want to encourage you today God wouldn't put you somewhere that he hasn't equipped you to be he wouldn't put you somewhere that he hasn't given you the tools and given you the 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 victory already amen the battle's just still coming so sometimes we think of spiritual warfare as just a scary movie. I think that's some of the reasons many times that we say, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about the fact that there's demons and angels and, and different things like that because of what you've been exposed to. But it is, um, it's, that's just a, a foreshadow, right, a picture of what, of what God is doing. Point number three, Satan's greatest weapon against you is deception. Pastor Adam preached an incredible message years ago called Liar Liar. If you get a chance, go back and watch that. Because he really reminded us that the thing that the enemy wants to do is bring you lies. We see a a twisting of the truth. Whenever Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized, Satan came. And what did he do? What did he do? He tried to take a partial truth and shift it. He tried to deceive and he tried to take something and shift it and Jesus came back at him with the word of God and stood against him with the word. It's so key. If more than ever that we stay in the word of God. That's why this year as a body of Christ, we're reading the word together. And if you haven't, we've got 60 more days left. You can still catch up. It's on the Bible app. I love that. I was telling uh, one of the ladies in here, Elisa, every time she makes a comment on her Bible app, I get a notice and I love it because she encourages me and she doesn't even know she does it, right? But when we get in the word together and we know the word, uh, when we pray at staff prayer, somebody always says, hey, like in our reading today, like we are reading today in Hebrews, like it says in Mark. And so I just want to encourage you that the word is that key to be able to know um, the deceptions of the enemy. Now, I don't think that there's a devil under every rock. You know, if, if you, Starbucks didn't brew your espresso shot right, it's not a burnt coffee demon that uh, that you have to cast out or something like that. It's just the machine didn't work. But uh, but many times we um, we are fighting a battle, and we're fighting, and we're fighting, and we're fighting the wrong battle because we're dealing with the symptoms that we see, and we're not dealing with what, what's happening in the unseen C.S. Lewis said this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil. One is to disbelieve his existence, and the other is to believe and feel an unhealthy interest in them. You know, you've seen maybe, maybe you were a part of a church that everything was a demon. Sometimes it's just a lack of self-discipline and I need to close the refrigerator, right? I don't, it may not be a demon that uh, made me eat the fourth cookie. It may just be that they were really good cookies, yeah. So it's important that we understand the battles that we're fighting. Your greatest weapon is prayer. Praise is a weapon, And we have to use it. The word of God is a weapon. When you stand in joy, you're actually using a weapon, the fruits of the Spirit. When you walk in love, when you walk in peace, you're fighting a battle just simply by being and letting the Holy Spirit direct your life in that moment. But your greatest weapon is prayer. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like it put this way. The effectiveness of prayer is magnified when it is persistent and fervent. Many times we think, well, I prayed. I said, God, can I please have a car? Amen. And we're like, I don't know why it, why it didn't work. I don't understand why my prayer didn't work. The effectiveness of prayer is magnified when it is persistent and fervent. Does anybody have that kid that doesn't give up when they ask you for something? i have one of those i won't tell you which one i have one that it is we have not walked into the kitchen that morning hey i have a question what about this can we have this what are we doing this what are we doing this what are we do this what are we doing this i would rather her her i let it out i would let her have what she wants then have to hear her right no i'm kidding but you know what she is she is persistent and fervent Persistent and fervent, the effectiveness of your prayer is magnified when it is persistent and fervent. Focus in, get passionate about what you want to see God do. Max Lucado said this, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is about the one who hears it and not the one that says it, our prayers make a difference. Don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking that your prayers don't make a difference. Every prayer makes a difference. It's funny to me, too, that we can sit here, we are praying, we'll pray for things that we can't be a part of, right? We'll pray for Israel, we'll pray for things far away, and we believe that prayer answers. And yet, when something's right in our living room, we don't believe that prayer fixes it. I don't know why we pray when something is completely out of our reach, but when it's within our reach, we think, oh, that means I'm supposed to just fix it in the natural. We have to pray as fervently for the things that are right within our circles as the things that are so far away we can't even touch them. Amen? We have to fervently pray for our marriages. Fervently pray for our kids. Fervently pray over your finances You know, I said, Lord, I don't understand why you would want to bless someone that's a Christian. And I really felt like the Lord said, well, let me, let me ask you this question. If I'm going to get resources in the hands of two different people, is it someone who's going to do good or someone who's going to use it selfishly? He said, trick question. What do you think? I said, oh, that makes sense. The Lord wants to put resources in your hand. The enemy does not want you to have those resources. So not only is it through diligence, is it through stewardship, but it's through prayer. It's through prayer that we say, Father, I just pray a, a blessing. I cover our finances. I cover our business. If you're in sales, I cover these sales. I cover this that I'm selling. I just want to pray over your employees. Pray over your staff. Because when we are persistent and fervent, The Bible says that that prayer is magnified. Years ago, there was a book called The Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy O'Martian. Stormy was a woman who grew up in an abusive home, and she took that pain straight into a marriage and began to have challenges there as well. And she realized that if I fight the battle verbally, we're not gonna win. So she just began praying over her husband. Um, When I was a, a young person, a lady encouraged me to pray Psalms 112. Over my spouse, that he would be mighty and powerful, that his children would be blessed, that good and not harm would come to him. I didn't know how to pray, so I just took every single scripture and prayed each one, and began to pray over somebody that I hadn't even met before. Mr. Carey is here somewhere in this church. I don't see Mr. Carey here. If he said, "There he is," Mr. Carey said that we could tell this story, so I'll tell a story on Mr. Carey. Mr. Carey's wife um, told Keisha that whenever they first got married, Mr. Carey smoked. And she didn't prefer that. But she knew that if she asked him not to, it wouldn't necessarily go well. So every night when he would go to bed, she'd lean over and place her hand on him and pray for him. Every night she prayed. Is that the way? That's the way, Mr. Carey. That's what Keisha told me. And God set him free. And she just began to pray. Amen? I have uh, another friends of our family. They're, they've been missionaries all over the world and everything. And before they met Jesus, um, the, um, the wife was saved before the husband. He was a very angry and, um, and mean man. And the Lord told her, I'm going to give you a new husband. So she told him, God's going to give me a new husband. Well, he wasn't really happy about that. And he said, I'll kill him. I'll kill him. When he comes in, I'll kill him. She, in her innocence, did not know that God was going to give her a new husband. He was going to transform the man that she was married into. And, and God appeared to him in a vision in a shop and completely transformed his life. And they are to this day, that's probably been 40 plus years ago, huh, Pop? God has transformed um, the Treme's. They're, they've been missionaries, ministers, and pastors all over the world. So God is going to give you that word. He may tell you he's going to give you a new husband, but it you know, may not be a new husband, Right. But what do we do? Hudson Taylor, one of the most famous missionaries, said it is actually possible to move men through God by prayer alone. Ladies, if you've been married any time, you know you can't move him. You can't move him just by nagging him. Hudson Taylor says it is possible, though, to move him through prayer alone. How many of you would say right now, and my hand is raised, that there's battles I fight and I fight and I fight when I really just need to take it to prayer? Yeah? There's things we just, boy, we just keep banging our head against the wall, thinking, surely this time I'll say it differently, and it'll work out differently. This morning, the Lord is challenging us all to battle in the unseen world and walk in peace in the seen world. Amen? You can't move your boss, you can't, but you can do battle in the heavenlies and see God do it. We cannot eradicate racism and poverty, and we cannot transform nations and communities simply by working. And working's great. we got to do that too. But it's through prayer that we have to battle in the heavenlies. And when we get an understanding that God has such a plan and such a purpose, then our prayers then become worth that time and investment. Amen? So this morning we're going to talk about prayer prayer. We actually have a little card for you in the bo- in the seat in front of you that um, our incredible graphics team designed this week. This is something that you can take home with you. And we're going to talk about this in just a second. There's so many ways that you can pray. Miss Clara found a room. She posted scriptures on the walls. Um, I love Keisha said this. She said, prayer, a war room can be like Air Force One. Air Force One is whatever plane the president gets on. Wherever you sit, wherever you get on your knees, whenever you come and meet with the Lord, that's your war room. You may be able to carve out a space in your house. It may be in your car. There have been times that the safest place for me to find Jesus was in my car because nobody could hear how loud I needed to talk to God in that moment, right? When we were youth pastors, there would be teenagers that would put little scriptures right on their dash. I don't know how they still saw their speedometer. Not necessarily saying I recommend that, but they would have that scripture there Scripture, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. Scripture, Scripture, quoting that Scripture, covering that. But we're going to encourage you today, today, we're going to talk about pray. And it's a little anacronym that actually helps us remember four things we can do every time we set aside that time to be with the Lord. The first thing we can do is praise, to thank God for what he's already done. It's so important that we don't move past the miracles that have already happened in our lives. And I know when when we practice the discipline of looking for the good, it's amazing how much easier it is to see it. Every little thing, when we praise God, when we acknowledge that all good and perfect things come from above. From the father and we begin to discipline ourselves to see the good in each and every situation the times that he came through right and he came through in that situation when we didn't know what was going to happen when and, and and the miracles that he did the the lives that he's restored that you know of when we begin to praise him it begins to put in right standing who's really in authority not just over our lives, but over all principalities and powers and rulers of this present age, right? And then the second thing we can do is repent, because so many times we come to the Lord with what we're, what's bothering us and who's bothering us that we forget to start with, Lord, what about the plank in my own eye? let's talk about us first, right? Let's talk about the responsibility that we have in each and every situation of our lives. And we can begin to repent. We can repent for ungratefulness. We can repent for fear and doubt and not trusting him in those moments. We can repent that we popped our mouth off when we really knew we shouldn't have. We can repent in those moments and begin to reset and put our heart right before him. Maybe in that moment, the Lord will ask you to to forgive someone. Maybe he'll ask you to write a note of forgiveness to them. It's doing business, we say, with God in that moment. Isaiah says, come, and I want to wash your sins as white as snow. Because the enemy, back to deception, will say, oh, your prayers aren't going to be heard because you are an imperfect person. You know, that's, that's okay, enemy. Just remember, we already covered that one in repent. We already did that. Amen? Number A, the A is for ask. Ask God what you need. The gospel says that he's a good father. If we ask him for provision, he's not going to give us a rock, it says. He's a good father. He gives us good gifts. And so when we ask, it's, it, he, we get to see that it was his provision that made that happen and not our own hand. Asking is such a key. P- ask and keep asking. And then why is yield? Be quiet and see how God leads The hardest thing sometimes for me in a prayer closet, in a war room, is to say, okay, Lord, I've brought this to you, we've talked, I've spent time with you, and now I'm going to trust you to handle the situation. Because I want to say, okay, Lord, we prayed, so now you know I'm right, can I come back out and deal with it now? (laughs) No, yielding to what God has, yielding to his plan and his way. When we stay in that yielded position, we can hear what he's doing and what he's saying. And then guess what we do after that? We do it again and again. 21 days Daniel stayed before the Lord, and the, and the angel came and said, I've been, I've been coming your way, but there's been a battle. I look at the, the Russell family here in this room. Every day's a battle right now for Precious linen. Every day praying, praying, praying as we battle. And then believe in God for that answer to come through. Amen? We are not guaranteed the timeline of the answers of prayer, but we are promised that we have a good God. And when we bring them to him, and we have to know that we live in a realm of battle. I I can't imagine what it's like to live in a a nation that's always in battle, where you're always aware, always key. Uh, Our friends right now in Israel, they said, you know, you run your business with a flak jacket on. I just, I can't fathom that. I can't even imagine. We have the the gift of living in a nation that is in peace right now. But we have to understand in the invisible, we are in a battle every single day. And the enemy would love to deceive you and to introduce lies that say God is not good. This doesn't turn out well. This marriage is going to be doomed, so you might as well walk away right now. That's a lie from the enemy. And we fight that battle in the heavenlies. Amen? So I just want to encourage you to take these cards and take take one home. We've got plenty in the back. You can put one everywhere you need it to be. But let's, let's say, Lord, the problems that I've been trying to deal with, I'm going to take those first to you. I'm going to take them first into the heavenlies. I'm going to deal with what I can't see right now. I'm going to spend time and commune with you in those moments. Amen? Would you stand with me?